You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And what's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. And we don't really have to talk about it that much in depth. Obviously, it won't be the longest podcast uh, that I've had this season, but there are a lot of things to talk about. The Saints obviously got shellacked by the Dolphins 20-3 to on primetime. And weirdly enough, even though the score was terrible and it was a horrific outing for the Saints team. I, I didn't even walk away going like, wow, the, the Dolphins are an impressive team. I, I really felt like it's one of those situations had the Saints had most of those starters from the COVID situation. I think they probably win this game, which is frustrating because in the grand scheme of things, this obviously hurts their playoff chances. I know a lot of you probably rolled your eyes and are thinking about Tankathon and where they can end up in the draft picks. I'm sure that's what you guys are all doing this morning and afternoon, looking up on Tankathon where the Saints rank and who they could get and Part of me doesn't blame me. The other part's like, hey, we still got two weeks left. But let's just get through all of this. Let's talk about Ian Book. Let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about the O-line because there's probably something there that I want to talk about for sure. It was just a really bad situation. And, and we knew this coming into the game. That's why a lot of us said if, if Ian Book plays like crap, we expect it. If Ian Book looks competent, we'll be impressed. And it was the first one. Ian Book did not look good at all. Ian Book struggled. Ian Book looked flustered. He took a lot of big hits. He was sacked eight times, which is just a jaw-dropping number to think about. And there was nothing from that game that you watch. You're like, all right, yeah, Ian Book could be the future. No, like there, there was nothing from that, nor should there have been. No offensive tackles. You're starting offensive tackles. Obviously, no left guard because Andrews Pete's been out for months now, but that's something we expected. The receiving corpse is not good. I, I thought Marquez Callaway had yet another good game, and he's starting to build. And it's not going to be all negative. Like, if there's a positive that I saw from the game, I'll, I'll bring it up. And I thought that was one of them. I thought Callaway is starting to take those steps that I thought he would in the beginning of the season. And you know what? Better late than never, because those are things that he could build off for the 2022 season and beyond that. So I like the way he played. But the rest of the receiving corps, still no Deontay Harris. This was his final game from suspension. So he'll be back for the Panthers game, and we'll see what he can do there. Traquan Smith left the game with a chest injury. So you're down to... Your your Marquez Callaway is number one, throwing a little Jordan Humphrey, and then relying on who else? I mean, Nick Vanette was your tight end one because Troutman and Johnson were out with COVID, and he had a key drop. He, he didn't play great. Uh, I thought Alvin Kamara struggled, and Alvin Kamara, you could tell body language-wise, just wasn't into the game. By the second quarter, I felt like he was ready to go home. And I mean, weren't we all? But that, that's just something the Saints couldn't afford to add. They needed Kamara to have a, another worldly performance, and it just didn't happen. And and that's okay. Like, that is part of the NFL. You don't know what to expect on a week-to-week basis. So, you put that all into perspective. No, you don't have your bookend offensive tackles. And, yes, that was purposely said bookend. You don't have good receivers. Two of your tight ends are missing. Not that they're great, but they are missing. And you're playing against a Dolphins defense that knows the situation you're in and also knows you've only had about a week to prepare, maybe a little bit less. You're just kind of thrusted from... QB4 to QB3 to all of a sudden QB1. You know, that that's a huge jump. And they brought the house on Ian Book. And every time they did that, it resulted in a bad play for the Saints, whether it was a sack, whether it was a pass that still lost them two yards, whether it was a, a turnover. It, it was just a terrible night. And, and there's nothing really to take from it. I thought in the first half, the Saints fought tremendously hard. And that's the only reason why it was 10-3 to at halftime. And they had a legit chance of, hey, maybe they could steal this game and win. 13 to 10 or whatever it may be, but that's kind of the only chance they had. And, and that's unfortunate. And 
for us, whether you're a fan, whether you're a podcast, no matter what the hell you're doing, I don't know how you watch this game. And then we kind of like assess Ian Book as a quarterback. And before I talk about why, disclaimer real quick. When the Saints made the pick, I didn't understand it because I thought Ian Book was the prototypical excellent college quarterback, not sure how he translates to the pros. And I still kind of feel that way. And, I, and until we see otherwise, I probably won't change my stance. That being said, just because I felt that way going into the draft doesn't mean I'm going to be harsh about the way he played. It's a terrible situation. I don't know. If we put any rookie quarterback in that situation, how are they going to play? I mean, Mac Jones is in a great situation. He struggled this past weekend, had no touchdowns and two picks. Um, obviously, with Zach Wilson, we've seen him struggle in New York. We've seen Trevor Lawrence struggle in Jacksonville. Frankly, the best rookie quarterback the last couple of weeks has been Davis Mills. No one talks about it just because he plays in Houston. But it's just a bad situation, so I don't know how you fairly grade it. That being said, there were a lot of awful reads when he goes back and looks at it, particularly the pick six. He had Alvin Kamara wide open. He missed him. There was a play where he basically was asking to throw an interception. He's just lucky the Dolphins dropped it. And you see Callaway's open towards that left corner. Ian Book definitely could have hit him. He just didn't re- He didn't make the right read. Those are things that he's going to get flustered with and, and he's going to look at and be like, man, that, that sucks. Like You'll get frustrated with that. I thought he hesitated to throw the ball away at times. There were times where I thought his mobility was on display. There was a play where he avoided like two sacks and then threw it out of bounds. And in the grand scheme of things, you don't think that's a great play or a huge play, but those are things you would have liked to see a little bit more. And the one time he did throw it out of bounds, it was on fourth down. Funny enough, that you don't want to see. So there, there were just so many little things, you know, and, and, and instead of just harping on him, I'll give him credit. Like, I, I thought he showed a lot of toughness. It, you know, in your first start, to get sacked eight times, and they were not soft. They were not soft at all every single time he got sacked. I mean, you heard the helmets and the shoulder pads connecting every single time. He took a beating, but he got up, and he took the next snap, and he was ready for the next beating. And and I don't know how far that goes. I, I really don't. But I guess that's something to say about his toughness, his maturity, and his ability to just kind of handle the really, really bad card that he was dealt. There's no debate. When Taysom Hill comes back, you're, you're putting Taysom Hill back at starter. I don't think that's anything that needs to be um, discussed. Maybe if the Saints lose to the Panthers and then their playoff hopes are done, maybe they want to give Ian Book one more audition. But even then, you're probably going to start Taysom Hill. I just don't think Ian Book's ready. When you drafted him, he was a developmental guy. I didn't think he would have to start a game this year. It's just obviously a bad spot for them. So, not great. Uh, I will say, though, after watching this game, it reinforces something that a lot of Saints fans, including myself, have been saying for the last couple of weeks, and that is the Saints need, desperately need, to be players in the QB market this offseason. And I, I'm not going to even say who I definitely want or who I definitely think will be the quarterback because I have no clue. I'd be lying to you if I said right now, this is who's going to be the Saints quarterback for 2022. But whether it's going after Russell Wilson or going after Aaron Rodgers or re-signing Jameis Winston or drafting a quarterback like a Kenny Pickett, which again, you know, after last night, I'm like a little bit out on going for the rookies. I'm more, I'm more than okay with the Saints figuring out a, a making a big splash if they could. But again, a Kenny Pickett wouldn't be a bad idea. Those are the type of the moves that you have to kind of consider. And there's so many options, whether it's free agency, the draft, uh, via trade. I think via trade would probably be the most, uh, I, I would say high risk, but also high reward because of what you could get. I mean, you're trading a lot of picks for a big-time player, but if I throw Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers in New Orleans, a lot changes, hypothetically speaking. Not saying those are going to happen, just what it is. So the Saints, 
they need to be players in the QB market. We also need to know that they need to fix their wide receiver room. I mean, how many more games do we need to go where, whether it's on CBS, ESPN, Fox, NFL Network, whoever's doing the game, they'll break down a play and they'll be like, hey, you want to know why the quarterback didn't throw it to anyone or, or why they didn't get a, a first down here and why? And you watch the play and not at a single point does anyone have separation on their route. And that that is something that is a talent issue. Not like the Saints are just can't scheme guys open at this point. You need talent in the NFL. And if you go look around the league, go look at the teams that are competing, they have multiple wide receivers who can do it. Like even the Rams, the Rams, and they didn't know Robert Woods was going to get hurt. But the Rams went after Odell Beckham when they already had Woods, Cup, Van Jefferson. Why? Because you always want to load up on talent. Look at the Bucs. Chris Godwin goes down, and that's a terrible injury. They still have Antonio Brown, albeit, I mean, the Duke committed a crime, but he's, he's still playing. They have Mike Evans. They have Rashad Perriman. They drafted Jalen Darden. They drafted Tyler Johnson. Like, you can never have enough wide receivers in a passing league. So I think the Saints, that's something that you have to put an emphasis on. Receiver and quarterback, got to figure that out. But there's also two issues now on top of those that I already mentioned that I think were magnified on Monday night. One of them is left tackle. No Teron Armstead again. I think at this point, I think the Teron Armstead era is kind of over. It doesn't mean he's not a great player. He still is a great player. And I think Teron Armstead, if he leaves, I would say a team like the Cincinnati Bengals should make a run after him if they have the cash. And yeah, you know, expect him to miss four games a year, but the 12 to 13, he's going to be out there. If he get, if he gives you that much, he's going to ball out. And they have a young quarterback in Joe Burrow who could use a little bit more protection, and they know that the pipeline from the Saints works well. Von Bell two years ago, Trey Hendrickson this year. Why not go back to the well one more time? And I think Armstead is still a really, really good player. I just think for the Saints and the way they are with the cap, I don't know if you want to commit more money long-term. Like, yes, extending Armstead actually, in theory, would save them money on the cap next year. But do you want to commit even more money for 2023 and beyond for a player who unfortunately does miss a lot of time. And he's a warrior and he's a great dude. And I'm not going to say a bad thing about him because he's one of my favorite saints I've watched over the last decade. But I, I do think that is going to come to an end. And when that does, what happens at left tackle? Does, does Ramchek kick to left tackle? Remember, there is the escalator in his contract about that. Is there a chance that Landon Young, the Kentucky prospect who unfortunately got hurt at the end of the year, if not, he would probably be getting really, really good reps right now. He could be the left tackle maybe. Maybe Hurst is in that rotation, but the Saints have options. I think they'll figure that part out. Here's what really scares me, though. And I, you guys know I tweeted about it, and I'll tweet it about it again, and probably tweet about it a couple more times. The Saints can't go into next year with Cesar Ruiz at right guard. They, they just can't. And they probably will because they drafted him, and they still have him under contract for the next two seasons, not including the fifth-year option, which, let's be real, that thing is not getting picked up at this rate. He's a bad football player. He's not an okay football player with bad moments, which I think is what Andrews Pete is. We all love to just harp on Andrews Pete, me included, self-included here. We love to point out when Andrews Pete struggles because when he struggles, it's a bad play. Like he's, he's his ass is on the floor and he's just turning over, looking at his quarterback, getting just absolutely destroyed by a defensive lineman. That's the Andrews Pete play. And it happens every once in a while and it happens enough for people to just call him Andrews Pete. But Andrews Pete's actually a solid football player who makes big, you know, mistakes that are, I'm not going to say big mistakes, but makes mistakes that you're going to see. They're noticeable, okay? But at the end of the day, he's still a solid football player because he can play left guard. He could play left tackle. He could play right tackle. He's great in the screen game. He's good in the ground game. So there are some things he's good at. 
what is Cesar Ruiz good at besides getting his quarterback killed? That's what I want to know because when the Saints drafted Cesar Ruiz, I actually thought the pick was okay. I thought there was a vision where if he kicks to right guard or if McCoy kicked to right guard and Ruiz stayed at center, the Saints would fix their interior. Because remember, this whole situation happened because Larry Warford got destroyed in the in the wild card round against the Vikings, and the Saints thought, okay, we need a new right guard. We need to really fortify the interior. So the mindset, I get it, but God, I bet Larry Warford at this point in his life, whatever the hell he's doing right now, is better than Cesar Ruiz. When you are playing a bunch of backup offensive linemen because of injuries and because of COVID, and the most notable guy on the list who's struggling is one of your week one starters, that is so bad. That is so bad. You know, there were so many guys you could have pointed out yesterday that struggled. So many guys. But he was the main one. I mean, there was a point where he gave up a sack on Ian Book, and they go back and you watch the replay. He's not blocking anyone. And yeah, that's a communication issue. I get that. But how many times does he need to have a communication issue before you realize he just can't communicate? It's not happening. So they have to consider alternatives at right guard for next season because Ruiz isn't it. He's a bad football player. That 2020 NFL draft, I think it's the worst draft the Saints have had in the Sean Payton era. And you guys are going to bring up the Stanley Jean Baptiste draft and talk about how, oh, that was a terrible draft because all the guys that they took didn't end up amounting to anything. And that was a bad draft. Like, I totally get that it was a terrible draft. I mean, Stanley Jean Baptiste, Kyrie Fort, Vinny Sincera, I'm reading through it now, horrible draft. But guess what? That draft had Brandon Cooks. And whether or not you liked Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks is a damn good football player who's played well with the Saints, the Patriots, the Rams, the Texans. So you put him anywhere, he has success. What is Cesar Ruiz? So far, he's a bad football player. What is Zach Bond? Honestly, right now, he's a special teamer. That's what he is. He's a special teams player. What is Adam Troutman? I, I wish I knew, I knew. I mean, I guess Adam Troutman, you can say, yeah, he could maybe turn into Josh Hill. And yeah, that means he would start on the Saints for a long time. And, and then I guess that's good. But he's not a Brandon Cooks. And Tommy Stevens, don't get me started on Tommy Stevens. They took him to slight the to you know slight the Panthers, and Panthers got the last laugh because Tommy Stevens absolutely sucks. So the, it's just a terrible draft. And when you draft poorly, you're gonna pay the price more than anything, more than bad cap decisions. I think bad drafts and good drafts, those are the ones. Think about how good the 2017 draft was. That's kind of what put the Saints back on the map. Not even kinda. It did put them on the map. The 2020 draft. And I know it was the pandemic and they didn't have the combine and all that. And they were so confused as to who the hell they can scout and what's going on. I don't care. That, that was such a bad draft. And, and looking back, you took Ruiz. Could have had T. Higgins. Could have had Michael Pittman. Could have had a really good big-time wide receiver to put in your lineup. And, and man, that would have been a game-changer for the Saints. Instead, you got a right guard who's a turnstile right now with the way he's playing. And I don't know what you do. With Ruiz, other than see if a team will throw a fifth or a sixth-round pick at him in terms of getting rid of him. Again, I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I, I think Ruiz is here to stay. But I'm going to watch him very closely the next two games because it's easy on the national television game to point out his flaws because they're even heightened. If he stinks against a Panthers defense that's going to be missing a lot of key players because now they're also dealing with the COVID outbreak, good God, just pack it up, man. Just pack it up. Uh, Reese is just a bad football player, uh, and it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because that's a pick that could haunt the Saints for a while. Now, a couple more things I want to talk about before I wrap up. One of them, the Saints at home. You think of the Saints, you think of the Superdome, you usually think dominance. You usually think a team that you go in there, and you're probably going to lose the Superdome crowd. And 
the the voodoo dome as people call it, whatever the hell they might want to call it. I think I've heard that once or twice on the on the broadcast, but I I just think for this team, something's just off at home. They're two and five. I guess when you're a defensive minded team with a not good offense, it makes sense. Like the defensive games, they happen on the road because you bring that mentality with you where it's going to be tough and you need to, it's, you need to be a hard hitting team. And I get it. Like the, the Saints struggle on the road. I mean, struggling at home and, and being good at home, on the road, I guess it kind of fits the MO of this year's team, but it's a problem that needs to be addressed in the sense that if the Saints get the right quarterback and they're back on uh, the map next year, they got to be better at home and look at all the losses. And this is, this doesn't even go to this regular season. Look at all the playoff losses, losing to the bucks at home, losing to the Rams at home. Albeit I get the Rams one bullshit losing to the Vikings at home. A lot of these playoff losses are happening in the Superdome. So I think the element that scared teams back then, whether it was 2011 or, or 2017 or 2009 or 2006, it's not there anymore. And it doesn't mean you can't get it back. You can always recapture the magic, but the Saints have to recapture that magic at some point. I think when you have more playmakers and a legit quarterback, I think that would obviously change a lot because that's what actually strikes fear in the defense, not the crowd. The crowd is just an added element that really helps, but that's not the main the main factor. The crowd was great last night. just didn't matter because the offense stunk. So got to be better at home in the future if you want to end up returning to uh, to that dominant stature. Now, last thing I want to talk about, and it's actually a good thing, because I figured, you know, you're going to listen to this podcast, you're going to be like, man, Chris is so negative on a Tuesday. And I mean, I'm negative about the Saints, but don't mind me, I'm enjoying my Tuesday. The the Saints, I think the one really, really good thing I took out of this game was that Pete Warner was asked to do a lot because they didn't have DeMario Davis, didn't have Quan Alexander. And I, I thought Pete Warner played really, really good football. His one negative was a horse collar tackle that realistically he puts his hand an inch or two to the left or right. It's not a horse collar tackle. So I thought he was great. He diagnosed plays quickly. And ask yourself watching that game. The Saints didn't have Quan. They didn't have DeMario. They didn't have Malcolm Jenkins. I thought the defense looked really good. I thought Cam Jordan made really good plays. I thought Marcus Davenport continued his dominant year. And did besides the throw to Matt Collins, because I'm going to give Tua credit for that throw. Was there a point where Tua legitimately scared you throwing the football? The answer is no. The only guy that really did anything dominant, I would say, for the Dolphins is Jalen Waddell. And I kind of figured that. He's a speed receiver. And those speed receivers with the quick twitch are usually the ones that get uh, Marshawn Lattimore and just get this, this secondary in general. Not that Lattimore played bad. He had an interception in this game. But I thought the defense did its thing. And for them to do that with those three guys, key players, key veterans who know this team inside out, for them to do that, I thought that was pretty impressive. And I think that's a good sign for this Saints defense for the last two games of the year because I would imagine at least one or two of those guys will be back for the Panthers game, and I would imagine all three to be there for the Falcons finale. So I tip my cap to defense. I thought they did their thing. Also tip my cap to P.J. Williams, man. It's not going to be talked about because this year is going to end up being a wash. But P.J. Williams, Saints are going to need to resign him. He's a good football player. He's a really, really, really good football player. And for the Saints, with the way their DB room is just absolutely loaded, if they can keep Marcus and P.J. Williams around, I I love this DB room going into next year because I'd imagine Paulson Adebo takes that next step. Obviously, you know what you have in Lattimore and Williams and Garner Johnson. So I I think it's a great room. I think it's a really great room. I thought they did well last night just had no offense and you're not going to win a game where you don't score a touchdown. 
unless this performance happened last week, then they would have won because Tom Brady and the Bucks didn't put up a single point. So anyway, guys, that's probably going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Again, the Saints got two games left. In theory, they could still make the playoffs. I know none of you guys really want them to at this rate. For me, I'm indifferent about it. If they make the playoffs, great. If not, all right, let's assess how the Saints can get better for next season. It's just a weird year. They've been ravaged by injuries. If there's a year to get ravaged by them, I guess it's this one. But it's just not a great situation for the Saints, and we'll see how they get through it. But I expect Taysom Hill to be back next week. He should give them a lift, offensively speaking. Expect Deontay Harris back. Who knows with Trey Quan Smith? I, you know, I don't expect him back. I probably don't expect him back on the Saints either. Just, a, just, just didn't work out for him as well. So we'll see what happens on Sunday against the Panthers. That should be a. Say an interesting game, but it could be a shit show because Carolina's looking like they're down in the dumps right now. And who the hell's playing for the Saints? We don't know with the way this outbreak's going on. So we'll see what happens there. But I appreciate you guys tuning into this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. If you guys have any more questions, comments, thoughts about the loss, about Ian Book's performance, about the defense, or whatever it might be, just hit me up on Twitter. You guys know I usually answer, whether it's my replies, my DMs. I try to get back to all of you guys. So really appreciate all the support, guys. We're wrapping up the end of 2021, which is absurd. I'll have one more podcast to end the year. Uh, I'll say my thank yous to you guys then. Uh, But until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Let's hope the Saints can bounce back, or maybe not if you want them to get a better draft pick. But enjoy your Tuesday, guys. I look forward to speaking to you guys later this week on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.